0: Hi everyone, Shannon Tipton here and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool LD peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Today, the cool kids are talking about learning from failure. Now we've all experienced failure. For example, I didn't get that one perfect job. I've been rejected by a variety of conference organizers and I've had ideas fail with clients. Let's not even talk about my unfinished book, the ideas that I've had for new training platforms, the ideas for the Learning Rebels community, and all of these other things that just didn't work out. But along the way, I learned from my mistakes. I learned what my strengths were. I learned about flexibility, resiliency, creative thinking, and mostly not being beaten down by your internal voice. You know, I've also learned that failures don't define who we are. I've learned that in order to succeed, failure is almost always a prerequisite. And because of failure, it's possible to get better at something. So the question on the table today is how can we shape? The idea of failure being a bad thing. What are we learning from our favorite mistakes? So without further ado, let's get to it. Okay, hello everyone. Here we are, another Learning Rebels coffee chat talking about learning from failure and all our favorite mistakes. That's what I'm calling it. I refuse to take a negative point of view on this. It's like we've made fabulous mistakes and we've learned from those fabulous mistakes. The key is, and I guess the question on the table is, how are we going about learning from those mistakes? How are we keeping track, I guess? So when you make a mistake and you learn from it, where are you capturing that information? How are you capturing that information so you don't do it again, or that you can ensure that you are in fact learning from it? right? And putting it into action. And you saw in my email, the list of things that I considered to be, well, sort of failures or sort of incompletes, if you will, because I think that we all have those things. And I thought, you know, now's a good time to be honest about what you do and the things that don't work as well as you had hoped that they would work. And what do you learn from that? Right. Thomas Edison. Exactly. We have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. And I have, I feel like in my life at the age that I am at, I have found those 10,000 ways of finding things that don't work. Now I just don't want to repeat them and do another 10,000. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys on that note. I'm going to turn it over to you. What were your thoughts when you read my email? What are your thoughts around how you're learning from failure, how you're embracing this?
1: I mean, I wrote it in the chat that I'm glad that now kind of company culture allows for learning from things because in the past it was punished or people were afraid to take any chances because then you had a target on your back, you know, but now it's like, nope, we just need to fail faster so that we get to what's working and embrace like, again, being able to take the time to reflect, like, what did we learn from that? that we don't want to repeat Mm -hmm. and then there's always the story of the the guy who invented new coke or whatever and then you know wanted to fire him they're like no that was so expensive like why would we want to take that learning somewhere else like you know
0: (laughs) yeah but here I totally agree with that and I think you're right there's something to be said about a shift in company culture right now about people being some companies Being a little bit more free to allow for that space, that psychological safety space that we all need in order to, you know, experiment and to test those little ideas to see whether or not they work and then to be able to move forward, right? So taking those little experiments, not big ones, but little ones that don't cost a lot of money or take a lot of time and those are okay to fail, you know, it's fail fast, right?
2: I feel like part of it is like taking a beat for yourself because I'm going to be harder on myself than anyone else ever is, even within the organization. I feel like I'm fortunate enough to be in an organization that lets you like figure it out as you go. But I think in part of planning, you should have that period of reflection, like intentional reflection, not just in a group, you know, that we're evaluating, but like self-reflection. So you can go, Oop, I did make a mistake. The reason why I say that is because if you don't have that built into your process, it's easy to be like, and then you run over it. You feel like you failed and then lather, rinse, repeat.
0: Right. Right. When you talk about wash, rinse, repeat, that is just so true. And I think sometimes we find ourselves mentally in a loop like that where there's a fear of failure because you get blamed for something. And when you get blamed for something, that doesn't feel good. And I don't want to be put on that block where now All eyes are looking at me for the wrong reasons, right? And now, and it just goes circular like that. And then we find ourselves just being caught up in our own minds, in our own brains. And we can't can't escape that. And Bob, I just love what you said here in the chat. What is failure anyway? We can reframe the traditional definition to be more positive and constructive. Failure is only a bad thing if we let it be that, that is just so powerful. That whole statement is really powerful. So, Bob, do you want to share some more on that thought?
3: It struck me, too, with the um, the market, the way it is now. I don't know how many of you are invested, but you haven't lost the money until you sell, right? The market's going to come oh, back. Right? It just struck me as another, maybe a more pertinent or current uh, example or metaphor we can use, too, to think about it.
4: Someone mentioned generational fears. I was wondering,
5: I don't know what that was.
4: I was responding to someone had mentioned about um, generational fears, and I thought, yeah, I definitely have generational fears that I have been dealing with for years and still struggle with some of them. A lot of it was a lack of confidence, and that kind of both my parents had lack of confidence in some areas, a feeling of not being good enough. So like when I'm faced with different projects at work, like even yesterday, my colleague and friend, she was saying, they're getting ready to put me on a project that just does not motivate me (laughs) at all. But it's overwhelming too, because you're working with a lot of different subject matter experts and they're pretty snotty, some of them are, and they're just think that they're really arrogant people. And the organization is arrogant and working with arrogant people is really hard for me because I'm not, I tend to be pretty humble for the most part. I try to be confident, but that's a generational struggle for me to hold that confidence and to feel good and confident about myself. Even with interviews, I've been an instructional designer or working in that area for over 20 years. I don't even know how many years. I'm getting close to ancient. And within that, I feel like I don't know anything. I almost have my doctorate and I feel like I don't know anything. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean,
4: that's what I was referring to in generational fears. It's hard to break those, some of those fears that you end up having. Right. It's about confidence,
0: right? It is about confidence. And I think if we continue to talk about the fear of failure and where that stems from or how we can learn from it, because as Renee said in the chat here, failure and success is not an either or we need to reframe it as a continuum. And if we think back to the, to the conversation a couple of weeks ago about creativity, Kelly made that really good point about creativity is failure and progress, right? So there's always failure in the creative stream. And I think that there's always going to be failure, however you frame it, within your life and within the things that you do. I agree with you, Renee, that it is just part of the continuum. It's just part of the circle of life. And if I get back to the original question, which was around How are we learning from it? How are we capturing it? So it's, I did this thing and it didn't go the way that I had hoped. And so now what am I doing? You know, am I keeping these in a field notebook? Am I keeping these in a logbook? Am I keeping a a video record, you know, to make sure that I am learning from it. It's just not something that I've simply tucked away in the back of my head. This is actually going to be part of my process. So I'm wondering whether or not anyone is doing anything like that. Do you have a process for capturing the things that you do well and the things that you don't do well? And how do you adjust?
2: And and when I first saw the topic of this, this session, I wasn't thinking about failure so much as I was thinking about making mistakes.
0: Yes, yes.
2: And when I was younger in my career and would make a mistake, it would be devastating to me. Not because I thought people expected perfection, but because I'm like, man, how can I make such a like a rookie mistake?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: then now I find, like, I guess, again, if I'm gonna make synonymous, you know, those two terms, failure and mistakes, I found having a process, I keep talking about a process, having a process for, all right, number one, I gotta own up to this failure slash mistake. Think about why it happened and then what do I need to do to make sure it does not happen again? And who do I need to communicate these mm-hmm. things with? Mm-hmm. And so like when I personally make a mistake or I, feel, I'm going to go back to mistakes because this is what's in my head now. I'm yes, like, oh crap, yeah. I recognized it. What did I not have in process? The moment I identify that Shannon is to answer your question is where I go, okay, I double counted this and so now I'm going to keep it on a spreadsheet <laughs> or whatever the case may be. <laughs> and I work it into a process. So then I can say, I did not follow my process you know, that's why this happened. I didn't have a process. That's why this happened. And that helps to stick the learning for me. And then when I have to own up to it, and then I, this happens a few times, especially at this point in my career, um, I'll own up to my mistake. I'll share what happened and I'll share what I've done to prevent it from happening in the future. And other people go, holy cow, thank you so much. I'm going to employ the case method and I'm going to start using that. So I can either not make the mistake that you just mm-hmm. made, or I didn't know what to do because I dealt with this not that long ago. So
6: there's
0: that. Yes. And that, that's exactly the way that I did frame this conversation, which was another part of the conversation that I do want to get into, which was you know your favorite mistake. Because we make mistakes and good things happen because of those mistakes. You're like, wow, I, I added this to this recipe and now all of a sudden I got something brand new and it tastes better than I had hoped. Or the project went better than I had hoped because I took this left turn, didn't mean to take this left turn, but I did. And now I ended up with something better than I had anticipated. You know. So are there those moments in your lives?
5: Well, I will say, Shannon, I am going with Ebony on this. I would like to get it even more formal, but I do capture lessons learned for myself. Sometimes I do it with my team if I get the chance. Because if I, sometimes I think if I just think on it, that's enough. And it's good that I think on things that I wish had gone differently or how they might go differently in the future. But I know that when I actually document it, it tends to be more thoughtful. And I've actually, I use OneNote and I have a a series of lessons learned from different jobs, from different projects. So if it occurs to me, I'll go back and read those and then be like, oh, right, right, right. It's, it has nothing to do with like beating myself up. It's a great reminder mm-hmm. of like, okay, I got through that. And oh, let mm-hmm. me try that this time.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: And then the other way is just to, you know, we have to practice what we preach. And I don't know if any of you are into Austin Kleon, steal like an artist,
0: Yes, that was part of our creativity chat last week.
5: I love him in a professionally appropriate way. but um,
0: (laughs) I'll admit I'm a stalker.
5: (laughs) His book is called Steal Like an Artist, and there's so many great points. But the one I take away is just basically like with creativity, stop putting the pressure on yourself. You're not making anything unique. You just take inspiration from where you can, give it credit, and then do it in your own way. But for me, that what I also do is like anyone who ends up working with me, clients, colleagues always start saying steal like an artist because I'm I'm like, one, people be like, I made a mistake. And I'm like, don't try to reinvent the wheel, right? Go get the wheel and then shift it. But also it's like, it's an easy way to be like, yeah, make mistakes. And I've shocked when some people on my team when they've screwed something up and I've been like okay, cool. Well, let's try this and this. And they're, they're shocked. I mean, there's sometimes they're afraid to come to me Mm -hmm. because they're afraid of, you know, this is where Ebony was saying the mistake they made, right. It's not a failure, but they've screwed up. And then when I'm like, okay, whatever, let's, it's almost sad to see how scared people are. Right. And so hopefully if you can be someone that at least is like, we're okay, we're cool. We can figure this out. That's helped me because the more I do it with others, the more I do it for myself. And maybe that's why I'm doing better on this job search because mm-hmm. I've spent more time telling everybody, let's just all screw up all the time. Okay. It's great.
2: I love that you said do it all the time. I'm sure you all have heard the adage, do something every day that scares you. I don't know oh. about y'all, but I don't have time to don't
0: find t- things <laughs> that scare me every day. <laughs> I but... got enough stuff around me that scares me. I don't need to be digging deeper into that hole.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. I just discovered I I need to stop talking really because of the voice. But um, last weekend I did like three things that scared me. I went to a Uh, an event, but completely by myself, not knowing a single person. I went to a a rollerblading event with these like expert people. And I wanted to just watch, but they were like, come on, Ebony, get out here. And I started swimming lessons. All of those things had me like butterflies for two hours before the event. And like, if I can flex that muscle of like Mm -hmm. getting used to really forcing myself out of my comfort zone, now I get why they say do it every day. So now it's do something that scares me every week. So
0: there. I love that. It goes back and I've done a bit of work in working with experiments and using experiments as part of the industry and as part of life in general. And I think the more that we build in the ability to do or conduct small experiments, like I've mentioned before, and that starts with the questions, and you guys have all said it. It starts with those questions with how about if we? let's try hey crazy thought let's do this and i try to in my research i've discovered you know there's a lot of questions that say or a lot of statements rather that say you know you start with the why not you know it's um well why not try why not do this why not do that and what i'm discovering is that when we ask ourselves why not we are really quick to have the answers why not It's really easy to go to that negative side and think, well, this is why I can't do that. This is why I can't do this. And so, Ebony, this is why I love what you're talking about here. So you talk about, you know, rollerblading or swimming. It's not why not. It's how about if I try, right? And so it's putting that positive frame around the little experiments that you're trying in life. And I believe that that is directly connected to accepting the mistakes that we make, or accepting the failures that we've been presented in life, and being able to move on from that.
7: Let me just add something a little bit on that. And yes, please. So it's going to sound a bit bragging. Brag away. Why... <laughs> yeah. So it's it's around the question, the asking why not question. So there's this time this lady just uh, was doing a book club on LinkedIn, and the, the book was Designing How to Learn by Julie Julie Dirksen. Yes. So after a connection, she was like, would you like to participate? And I was like, why not, right? So after that, took part into that, uh, took part in the the book club. From that, there was like a spiral of sort of opportunities. So someone else came and they were like, hey, we are having this human resource development. Would you like to come and talk about e-learning? And again, I was like, why not? Now from that particular uh, event, Recently, someone just reached out because of that event. They were willing to work with me just because of participating oh, in that particular book club. That question of why not, I think Sharon is very powerful to us, especially when something which is very unfamiliar and something that is very scary, like Ebony was saying, something scary, just go ahead and try it.
0: Right, because you just never know. You just never know. And I'm going back there because, Sam, you had made a comment here about the chiropractor's office and so you were at the chiropractor's office and they asked you for a business card is do you want to expand on this story
6: i was at the chiropractor's office and overheard the staff talking about an onboarding they were making and i chimed in well that's kind of what i do i make these onboardings and they didn't know what an e-learning was they didn't understand the whole concept of it and he's like well do you have a business card i'm like uh nope (laughs) <laughs> but you know, I gave them a link to my website, but it would have been much more efficient and effective if I would have been able to show them quickly, you know, this is an e learning This is right. what it looks like. This is how I can help you. But I'm at the chiropractor's office. Didn't expect to go into a dig, but it got me thinking that I could start putting up posters around my town's a little small, but a neighboring town, like, this is what I can do for you. Do you need help with onboarding? Do you need help with something like fire safety? Here's how I can help you. And market myself to some of these smaller companies.
0: Right, and I love that. And it goes right along with what Dixon was saying. So you never know when you go into something when an opportunity may present itself. So in his case with the book club, and then you find yourself at the chiropractor without a business card, but hey, I could talk about this. And so these these opportunities beget other opportunities. So even though you think, well, maybe my mistake here was not bringing a business card with me everywhere, but you you know what? You were able to talk through it and you've got people who are listening to you and wanting you to do other things. Same thing with Dixon there. I was at a conference earlier this week and it was an industry-specific conference that I had industry-specific business cards made up for. And... I was with a team member, so uh, he was with me and we were working the booth and all those other good things. And I went off to go visit somebody because he had pointed me in his direction. He's like, that guy over there, he wanted to talk to you. I'm like, all right, I'll go on over there. So I went over there, but I only had my regular business cards with me, not the industry business cards. I'm like, oh, dang it, bad salesperson, bad salesperson. So I'm already just kind of beating myself up a little bit. But I was like, all right, well, here is here is the company. Here's Learning Rebels. Here's my business card. Here's what the whole, as a company does. And so now he's like, oh, I only thought you did this. I'm like, no, I do all these other things too. And he's like, oh, well, this is really handy. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. So you never know what might lead to something else. And I think it is about that positive reframing that we talked about earlier.
5: And then the challenge again about self-kindness, which is, you know, every day I'm like, I didn't
0: get anything done
5: because yeah. apparently I was going to create an entire articulate course in in a day.
0: You know, I love that. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I wanted to make mention of that statement because you had sent me a, a LinkedIn message a few days ago and you were talking about self-kindness. And I was thinking about that phrase. So I thought I'd let you know that you sent that over to me and that phrase stuck in my head for a while afterwards. And I believe that we could do more to be kinder to ourselves and not beat ourselves up over a lot of things that we typically do. So I wanted to just make mention of that, of that phrase that you just kind of, you know, quietly snuck in, but I think it's really powerful. We could all do with a little bit more, you know, self-kindness to ourselves, emotionally, mentally, you know, spiritually, et cetera. I'm curious as to some of the other people we haven't heard from yet today what are you doing to build up that self-kindness if you will or or to reframe the mistakes in your life as happy accidents as I'm seeing in the chat how how are you dealing with this
8: my new i won't say new but as we get more seasoned in our uh, existence Less things bother you. So one of my favorite phrases right now is man, if that's the worst thing that happens today, it's a pretty gosh darn good day.
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. If this is the worst thing that could happen to me today, then then I'm okay with that. And it goes along with that saying, you know, how are you today? Well, I'm not six feet under, right? So I still have a roof over my head. I'm still alive and healthy. And I think I'm okay. It's all good. JD, positive mostly. I'm alive. I have many things to be thankful for. Failures are temporary, right? JD, talk to me about your method of positive thinking.
8: I mean, I've been in that position before where I've I beat myself up. The current job that I just landed this past spring, I feel like I'm I'm in a the perfect place. I had so many job interviews, so many no callbacks, or I would get to the final round and not get selected, and those. Tend to roll around in in your head. It is temporary, and what I would say to everyone is is don't settle. I mean, don't you kind of sell yourself short in your what you have to offer short when you take that great expertise into a company that doesn't appreciate it. So hang in there. It, mm-hmm. It's going to happen for you. And if your experience is anything like mine, they cascade all at the same time right? It was exactly like that. I had four in one day. I went to everyone and and finally got, ended up with two offers and I'm not, and I chose them because it it was just a dynamic organization and and they really love what I have to bring to the organization. And they're, they're so willing to, to chat about everything and move forward and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, develop my expertise. So yeah, failures. It's interesting because this goes back to the chat we had last week, Um, I think about the creativity, Mm -hmm. and I attended an HR seminar symposium this weekend, and mindfulness is becoming such a, and I hate it, the the catchphrase in in the business, but it's it's so relatable to a course that I'm building now around emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. and everything goes back to that self-awareness and um, social awareness, so it's interesting to watch that unfold with regards to failures, there's an Mm -hmm. old army saying that says, embrace the suck. Yes. Because getting comfortable with being uncomfortable sometimes tempers that you just kind of go, well, I failed. Okay, let's try again.
5: Mm
0: -hmm. And
8: that way you don't don't wallow. And that's the worst thing you can do.
0: I agree. So thank you for that. And you actually bring up a, a topic that I wanted to touch on. We're talking about being positive, reframing our mistakes, happy accidents, being self-kind. Let's talk about how we can help others. Let's talk about paying it forward. Now we see people on our team who may make a mistake or who have failed or something, or maybe someone in life, the barista who got your coffee order wrong. You know, there's all sorts of these little hitch in our giddy up things that happen throughout the course of the day. So how are we paying that forward? How are we encouraging people to, you know what, it's okay. We've all made mistakes before and, you know, your day is going to get better or things are going to get better for you. So how are we handling that with members of our teams or even within our families or complete strangers for that matter?
3: I actually had this happen yesterday. My employee reached out to one of our internal clients who sent an email wanting some people added to our LMS. And they used the term subcontractor in their email. And she took that to mean a temporary employee. But we don't provide training to subcontractors, mm-hmm. only to temporary employees. So she went down this whole path and was getting ready to add them to the LMS. And then she stopped and then asked me the question. I'm like, well, no, we're not. If they're not actual employees or even temporary, we're not going to add them. And she started feeling really bad. Like she made this huge mistake. I'm like, did you add them yet? Did we do anything yet? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. You reach out to the office manager, ask the question: Are they temporary employees or are they subcontracted? She got the answer, and they were subs. She's like, "Okay. Oh, I guess we don't do anything." I'm like, "Yeah, nothing broke.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Nobody died. Right? We didn't lose any money. You might have lost ten minutes of your day, but that's not a big deal. But you learned something. <laughs> yeah, you learned like." nomenclature can be very tricky Mm -hmm. so you have to ask some clarifying questions when the engineers send us stuff because they don't really understand the the wording that we need to actually clarify who people are to get them in the right you know the right trainings
0: yes yes (laughs) that is so important right no harm no foul did someone die? Did someone get fired? Did we lose a million bucks? Or no, then it's all going to be good and we'll we'll continue to move on. So I love your your position of pointing that out to her is like, you know what? It's all good. Nothing happened because of it. You don't beat yourself up over it. As we come up to the top of the hour, I just want to be sure that we're reaching other people and their ideas about learning from our mistakes, those happy accidents. So Beth, you were really busy in the chat. Thank you for that. Is there anything else that you wanted to contribute? I didn't think of it this way till now, but when you asked what we do to uh, take care of ourselves, uh, I've been
2: unemployed for about a year because of health problems. It's easy to get down on
0: myself for not getting back into the job search. I go to these chats and participate in these kind of um, independently run things where I'm surrounded by professionals who are very positive. And that's kind of helped keep me or my mind in the field as I uh, wait to be able to apply because I'm scared. I have to explain to employees what I've been doing for a year. So this has been my my, self-care, my positivity. So thank you for that, Shannon. This is a good place to be. Thank you for that. I appreciate those kind words. That's nice. And you know what? You can slide this into your uh, CVs or you can slide this into, you know, your LinkedIn's or whatever. And you can call this professional development. This is what we do. A lot of the topics that we cover are about upskilling you know, upskilling yourself in the industry and talk about learning from mistakes. I mean, we've all made mistakes as we sit here as LD professionals, whether it was making a course or instructional design something or leadership development that didn't go the way that we thought that we would. And we all learn from that. And that's all part of the upskilling process. And so if we can be, if this chat can be a part of that upskilling process, then that's another happy accident because that is certainly not how I started this or why I started this chat. Because the why I started this chat was I was bored during the first couple of weeks of the pandemic. And I'm like, I can't be the only one who needs something to do. So let's gather other people who need something to do. And so, and such, well, here we are, you know, having these very rich conversations with all of you positive and wonderful people. Yes. And that being said, speaking of chat, so wrapping this up, First off, thank you, everyone. This was not an easy conversation, I know, for some of you, where you're really digging in and you're like, oh, I'm putting myself out there. I'm being a little vulnerable, and that's great, and I'm glad that you feel as though you can be that way within this group, and thank you for sharing that. And some of you also, thank you for your words of wisdom and your compassion and the advice and techniques that you're sharing with the others because all of that very generous mindset, and I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for being with me today, and I hope you have a great weekend. Anybody doing anything fun?
3: I'm power washing my deck.
0: Power
8: washing
5: the deck. Well, that could be fun, (laughs) right? That's
3: fun. Rebuilding my front steps. There we go.
5: Oh my gosh, I am I am cutting out my concrete pad to put in flagstone on near my front steps.
3: Awesome. I just dug dug
8: up all my flag. I've poured eight hundred pounds of concrete two days
5: yeah if you want to feel good play with power tools it's such a, <laughs> a, a <win. laughs>
1: like you don't want to hire me i can use a chainsaw
5: maureen
0: how's it going in florida
1: i'm actually in pennsylvania
0: oh you're in pennsylvania who is it don that's in florida
1: i'm in florida
0: you're in florida how's it going in florida.
1: in florida it's
0: hot it's Pliny.
1: hot yeah you <laughs> just said this morning on a call, they were on a call with somebody who's in Nebraska, and it was like 122 degrees. Oh, no, no, no. A no. Friend, of, friend of mine from Montana said, Okay, for those who want to move to Montana today, you know, it's 107, and and uh, four months from now, it'll be uh, 120 degrees colder than that. Like, <laughs> that's just crazy. no, I, I'm, I'm
0: everyone for hanging with us for another learning rebels coffee chat well that was interesting it all started with the question on the table what are we learning from our favorite mistakes this chat was a manifestation of learning from mistakes the delicious irony of losing your internet connection while hosting a learning from failure chat well that's learning in action aside from that The big takeaway is our inner voice has more control than we think. It's how we deal with that inner voice that matters. Starting with reframing failure as mistakes, it's a muscle we really do have to flex more. And Ebony had a very practical way of handling mistakes by simply keeping a log and turning those mistakes into a process from which to learn. That's a very healthy way of beating back that vicious inner voice that we all have. So your action item today, start keeping a log. When something has failed, make a note, reframe it, and see what can be learned. What can you take away and subsequently apply to the future? Most importantly, make note of when your inner voice is trying to be a Debbie Downer and take back control. Now you want to join us live, and you know you do, go on over to learningrebels.com and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.